What's up in life, bro? Dude. Finna head back for the last dance. Yeah. We're about to finish up college. It's crazy. It's uh, so crazy. I'm uh, I'm back home right now, but today's Wednesday. The, what? 10th. 10th. And I fly back to school this Saturday. So... It's the last semester. Dude, I'm so ready to be done. So that's kind of what's up for me. I'm just enjoying my last week home before I go back. That's good. That's good. You've you've got you're almost done too. You finished. <sighs> I got another year. Uh we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> not not a whole year. Not a whole another school year. That's true. Uh, I guess it is two semesters. And I mean we're in, you know, winter break and I'll be finishing at the start of winter break next year, you know? Yeah. So but I don't wanna complain because there's there's a lot of opportunities I have now that you Right. Know, You're in a really good season too. Yeah. It's it's been really cool. because um, I know a lot of people are like, Don't rush into adulthood. I'm like, I've already in adulthood. Yeah, yeah I'm in college, but like there's You're there's a le- there's a level of adulthood you have to assume. Oh yeah, sure. Like my parents aren't doing my laundry. They're not cooking my food. They're yeah. They might help with some of that stuff. Well, and your own social stamina. You've yeah. got an apartment, roommates. You're dealing with all that. So, yeah, all of it. It's all happening. <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, welcome to the purposeful podcast. I know we started a little bit different than we normally do. Um, today we're talking about why is knowing God important. And so, uh, me and uh, this is. Barrett and Landry, and we're uh, we're just excited. We're excited to to tell you why knowing God is important. Yeah, we love talking about all this stuff um, because the truth is, I can't remember if we mentioned this in the pilot episode. I mean, as of recording this, that was like over a week ago. Yeah, but theology, everyone does theology. Theology is so important, and so we we want in this podcast. What we want to do is we want you guys as our listeners to kind of discover this excitement and this passion for theology that both of us feel. Um, Because the reality is all of us do theology. If you're a Christian and even if you know anything about God, I mean, theology is the study or knowledge of God. And so this is something that's incredibly exciting. This is where so much life is found as a Christian, as a follower and an imitator of Christ. And so if you would say that, man, I'm a follower of Christ, I, I want to be an imitator, a better imitator of Christ. I want to work on my relationship with God. Then that's a commitment to theology. So, um, yeah, that's that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing with the podcast. And so we're excited for you guys to join us on this journey as we talk through theology and kind of make it practical and, and help you guys see the beauty and excitement that's found in this. Yeah. So some, just a quick reference, if, if you're looking into a book that would be like on this topic of everyone's a theologian is that title exactly um, by JT, Dr. JT English and Jen Welkin, it's co-authors. Uh, and they're just two friends. Uh, they actually own another podcast with Kyle Worley on knowing faith. Uh, and they, they, they in their book talk about um, everyone is a theologian. Everybody has thoughts about who God is, whether that's they don't believe in God. That's still a thought about God. Um, mm-hmm. And so the 
they come from a Christian perspective, of course, and talk about, um, you know, everyone has thoughts about who God is. And the right view of God um, will have the right view of life as well and right. how to live your life. Because when, when you know who God is and what he's done for us, and then when we know our position and our, our presence, uh, what it looks like in the, in the presence of God, then, um, then we can understand you know, how to live life faithfully. Right. Or uh, discern how to live life faithfully because everything's not as straightforward as it seems. Um, so we're going to talk about why knowing God is important. Landry, why is knowing God important? There's so many reasons. I mean, it's fundamental. But uh, ultimately, it's because we were created to. So this is like a whole ecosystem of of truth and of things that scripture has to say about it. But ultimately God created us to know him and to worship him, to love him, to serve him. He wants us to know him. Yeah. He created us to. And so um, let's unpack that a little bit deeper first. Yeah. So you're saying that if, if God designed us to know him, then to know God is to to our the purpose he designed us for exactly it's our essence as humans and so because of that naturally that is where we find life right that's that is how we're going to fully be human hmm. is to know god to be known by him and to have that union with him that's what we had when he created us in the beginning when he created us he created us with that union because that's why he uh, created us. Yep. So we had that union with him. So I, I kind of want to pull up three points of just the, the Genesis narrative. Um, Genesis 1 and 2 goes over um, God's account of how he created everything that's in being. Um, everything that we see and everything that we don't see. And it talks about uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So the first thing he does is he establishes man, uh, men and women above uh, the rest of creation. He's putting his imago Dei onto his creation. He's putting it into mankind. And in that same, in that same thing, he gives uh, the first cultural mandate. So that's uh, the cultural mandate is um, what, what God has designed for them. That's, and we, we all have a cultural mandate um, to, to know and to love and to serve God. But they're, 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 they already had that established because of their, uh, the, perfect, the perfect world. Um, and so in doing so, God created them to do what we call the three Ds. He dwell in the presence of God, that they were in the garden with God. They walked with God. They were they had dominion over the earth. So that means they were uh, they were given authority over the beasts and they, they would do what they were told to do. They would they would come to him, Adam would name them, and they would go out. And he had the dynasty. They were marked by um, by God. They were the people of God in his Imago Day. And so um, that, that started in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So Landry, um, what maybe pulled people away 
from that? What pulled people away from knowing God? Pride. Pride. Yeah, the same pride that cast Satan from heaven. Um, it is the the desire to be God, to be like God. And so that same lie, that same uh, selfish desire is what um, ultimately created this cosmic division between man and God. If you spent any time in church or if you've heard the gospel before, <clears throat> you know, uh, at least you've heard of the fall. You've heard of some sort of reference to the fall. This is where we get into a little bit of a theology of sin. Uh, yeah. And so... What did sin do? So God being a holy God uh, created us to be like him, like in his in his likeness, right? So he didn't create us to be God, but in his likeness, that meant that we were righteous. We were in union with God. The problem is God is without sin. He's perfect. He's complete. So sin, and the way we can think about sin is sin is the absence of good. And since God is all good, he can't be apart from himself. And so sin is anything that is not of God, that is not uh, in God, that is not in union with God or associated with God. It's everything apart from God. And so when Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil and, and had this desire to have complete knowledge like God and power and wisdom and be like God, that was something that was not of God. It's this jealousy. It's this pride. It's this arrogance. It's this greed to want to be like God. And so ultimately that is what separated Adam and Eve from God, from the garden, from righteousness, from all that's good. And that union with God was torn. So now what do we have? We have humans, humanity as a whole yeah. that was created to be in union with God, was created to know God now no longer know God. Yeah. I mean, obviously Adam and Eve knew what they did. They, they remembered their union with God. But generations after that, literally not even far, their own kids, Adam and Eve's kids, Cain, Cain and Abel, um, at least the two that scripture mentions uh, explicitly, I mean, that's our first instance of murder. Yeah. And so, and violence and aggression. And so not even one generation removed from Adam and Eve, you have this kind of forgetfulness of God, this going your own way and not knowing God, not knowing his ways, not knowing union with him. And so that's where it, it, uh, it was shattered. So in Genesis 3, that's where we get the, the accounts of mankind sinning against God. It's uh, Adam and Eve, they partake in the, the tree of good and evil, which God had told them not to do, to not eat of this tree. And they, they were deceived by Satan to do so. And so in doing that, they actually lost uh, their their the three Ds. They lost the dwelling presence of God. God had to remove them from his presence. He had to remove them because they were no longer good and they were fractured and unholy. And so God removed them. They lost the dwelling presence of God. They, they, the, the, the earth became fractured, broken. It says in Romans 8 that the, the earth now groans in the pains of childbirth, awaiting the glory of God to be revealed in, in his 
uh, and his people. And, and then uh, they, they no longer were marked as the people of God. They no longer had the dynasty of God. So they, they had to... They had to find a way back. They had to find a way back to this, to dwell dominion and dynasty. And that, that really ultimately was, you know, through the, through the God-man Jesus. And so we, we, look, we look forward to, um, you know, where Jesus comes back and he, he saves, uh, you know, dies on the cross, lives a perfect life like that nobody else could live and dies on the cross in a place uh, that was made for sinners. And, and so he absorbed the wrath of God upon himself. Um, and in doing so, uh, he was dead. And three days later, he rose from the grave. Um, and faith in that is what puts someone back in right standing with God. And so knowing that um, would allow someone um, that faith of in Jesus will allow them to now be dwelling in the presence of God with the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as it would say in scripture. They would have a different type of dominion because they now have authority in the name of Jesus. And they would be marked again by the Spirit as the people of God. And so knowing this, knowing that, that, that line would allow someone that 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 truth in Jesus, um, knowing God, um, salvation back to to back to how humanity was. So, you know, why is knowing God important? So we we just talked about that was considered that's what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So why is knowing the gospel important? The gospel leads us to Christ because the gospel is the story of God's plan for redemption to reconcile humanity. Because again, let's remember, God wants us to know him. He always has. That's why he created us. He created us literally for the purpose of knowing him and worshiping him and loving him and being in union with him for eternity, for all, forever and always. And so... He's always wanted us to know him. He just wants us to know him, to know him, to love him, to be with him. Because he's a God of love. All he can do is love. Uh, just, just to kind of hammer this point home, I'm not going to get super deep into the theology of the Trinity. But the three persons of the Trinity constantly throughout all of eternity are in love with, with each other. They... They embody and express love within each person constantly. They always have. And that's how creation was born. It was birthed out of their love. You could think of it almost as an act of love that they created the entire universe and created humanity. So we are a product of love. And so even though we fell and rebelled against God, and chose our own way and divided that knowledge, divided that union with him. He still chases after us and loves us because that desire is perfect. That desire is full of burning passion and love for us. And even our own rebellion can't overpower that love because it's perfect love. So all of that to say, your question was, what is the gospel 
do in relation to our knowledge of God? Why is it important? Because the gospel opens our minds if the Holy Spirit softens our heart and and pursues us in that love to help us understand, help our sinful, broken uh, heart receive the gospel and understand the gospel, then we, we begin to understand what, what it is that we're talking about here, that we were created to know God. We no longer knew God because we rebelled against him. Each one of us are born not knowing God. We're born broken. And the gospel is what leads us to Christ. It points us to Christ saying, hey, this is what God did to reconcile you because he wants you to know him. So then Christ is the way by which we know God. Again, the only way. Scripture says, uh, or, or Christ says in the scriptures, in the New Testament, I am the door, the only door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no one that can come to the Father but through me. And I have them, it's John, John 14, 6. Uh, well, so John, John 10 is the, I'm the door of the sheep. So John 10, 7. And then John 14, 6 also says, uh, yeah, that's the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Believe in God, believe also in me. Um, and then also 14, uh, so I'm the way, the truth, and the life is verse six. And then verse nine says, uh, Jesus said to, to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? So what he's saying there is, look, I am the way to know God again. And so that's why the gospel is important because it's pointing us to Christ and Christ is saying, hey, I'm the way that you can know the Father again. I'm the way that you can find life again. I'm the way that you can be fully human again and not something less than human. So the gospel is essential because it points us to Christ. Yeah. So in, in that light, the gospel, it, it, it invades uh, the truth of, of Jesus, changes lives. And so we, we say this um, knowing why knowing God is important is because it changes your life. It changes, it changed my life, you know, and I, I was, I was, I was broken without, without hope. And then Jesus came into this, this faith and the knowledge of Jesus um, came into my life. And, uh, and now I, my life is on a, different trajectory than it once was. And because I knew, I know who God is and what he's done through his son, Jesus, um, and the faith that I have in that, I have a changed life. And so uh, the next, I think going forward now, um, there's this idea, right? There's this idea that things are changing, that people are being formed and molded uh, into, into different things. And so um, everyone is. So just what are some things that you do? Like Landry, what do you do on a daily basis? Uh, I eat. You eat? I eat food. I love food. I eat, I eat a lot of food. What kind of food do you eat? Like 
if you're going to go out, like I'm going to go out to eat, right? I'm going to spend. Bro, canes. I know, I know how you feel about canes. Okay. But hear me out. You don't need a whole lot of items on a menu if the one item that you're doing, you're doing right. You know what I'm saying? That's like, true. Like, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Every restaurant's got that, like, number one item, and it's usually, like, the first thing that you order. Yeah, you know? but that's all Cane's is. It's just chicken. Chicken. Because they nail it. So you don't need other items. Is it the chicken or the sauce that makes Cane's good? It's neither here nor there. Oh. The point is, I eat a lot. Yeah, I can, I, we could have a whole podcast episode on just Cane's, uh, We bro. don't need to do that. Yeah. Bro, Cane's is it. But also Chipotle is good. You can't Chipotle's you great. can't go wrong with a good carne asada bowl. Okay, see, I I like Chipotle, right? Yeah. You get the the Chipotle is another. It's you another get your CPDs in. Oh, I thought you said CBD. CPD like, calories per dollar. You get your calories per dollar in it. That's Chipotle. true. You can get they a pack big thing. bowl for nine bucks. They pack it until Chicken they bowl, don't. And then sometimes, but then you can like, like if you do it in person, right? You can always ask for more. That's true. And then they can't they can't be like. Nah, fam. <laughs> like, they have to... But Chipotle is like, another one of those places where it's like, they just they just do what they do. Yeah. And they do it well. Same with... Yeah, we could go on the list of places, but... Let's have but, a food podcast. No. Okay. <laughs> we'll stick to theology. Maybe I'll go start one. Our bit is this way, I think. <laughs> okay, so yeah, but I... That's one of the things I do on a daily basis to get us back on track. Okay. We digress. What else do you do? Like, what do you do for school? What, what What's your major? Worship and media arts is my major, so I do a lot of music, a lot of media integrated stuff. Videography. A lot with visual arts. So yeah, like photography, video, filmmaking work, editing, um, some graphic design here and there. And then uh, let's just say, and then you also, you're, you serve at a church, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. there's that, those people there too. And yeah. then um, you go to a Bible college, right? And so I they, go to Bible college, so I've got relationships with professors, other friends. Okay. Do Bible studies, worship nights, just going and hanging out, having fun, exploring the city. And then when you're not there, you're you're at home with your parents, and what are they like? Well, just give just like brief, like what what do they do? Yeah, so my dad's a missionary. Okay. Uh, he's domestic. He's actually in Nepal right now, but he lives. You know, we live in the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex, so we're domestic but he goes on short-term trips and does a lot of like director stuff so he's coordinating and doing a lot of remote work with other pastors and what does your mom do my mom does a ton of stuff dude like she just picks up small jobs here and there to try to make it an extra little bit of side cash but right now currently she's doing it's called stitch fix i don't know if you've heard of it never heard of it but it's like this online stylist thing so like people who don't either don't want to shop they don't like it or they don't have the time to they go through stitch fix and these stylists will like you'll just type up your what kind of style you want what kind of clothes you're looking for your sizes and, and they will like shop for you and put and together your mom does? outfit yeah my mom's a stylist so okay. she'll like shop for people and send them clothes man it seems like every time i talk about your mom she has a new she's in enneagram trade yeah she's got something she's new so and she's also doing this new brand called red aspen okay it's a like an acrylic nails interesting job so <laughs> she, but she's always done that like just like consultant type pickup jobs here and there like she did pampered chef when i was in middle school for like four years so 
she that's good she does a bunch of different stuff okay so i i, I name these things right yeah. because each one of these environments that you go into uh we didn't mention of course there's a lot of stuff that we didn't mention that you're a part of but, a ton of stuff yeah. and but like just these things at the core tenant like what you eat right that's shaping and forming you like if you eat canes every day it's forming me already you're, you're gonna you're gonna be you're not gonna be you know maybe the most healthy i'm not saying that canes is not healthy but if you eat canes every day you should I don't know. Do something. You should go run an extra mile. I, I didn't say that, but uh, <laughs> I said that. Uh, I said that. You know, <laughs> though, so that that alone is forming you. Then you got. Right. Then you add in where you're going to school, right? Right. So the location, the people that you're around, those are shaping and molding you. We're not going to talk about how they're shaping and molding you. Yeah. Um, same with your church. Like the people there are shaping and molding you. And, and then when you, you go work. home, yeah, where you work, yeah. they're shaping and molding you. When you go home, your parents, they're shaping and molding you. Of course, they had a bigger influence in your life because you grew up with them. And they were shaping and molding you from you know when you were born to, to That's now. an interesting point, too. The, the people and circles you spend the most time in, the most saturation you have, shape you the most. So, like, more saturation, more influence. So I say this because uh, we really want to get – like, we want to get this down – um, that everything that you do, everything you're a part of, every person you meet, even if it's for a minute, like 10 seconds, five seconds, it's shaping and forming you and molding you to, to, to look like something or to be shaped and to be molded into something else, you know, cause the only thing that's constant in life is change. You're, you're not the same person you are five, when this podcast started, right? That's good. You're, you're, you're older now. You're, 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 you lost, you know, skin cells, like your, your skin is dying and falling off. Like that's part of it. Your hair is growing longer. Like we can't, obviously we can't measure the exact amount of hair has grown or it's imperceivable us, but, us, yeah. but you know, it's like those things are happening right now. Yeah. Um, I am what 30 seconds close or 30, you know, 30 minutes closer to, to, to dying than I was 30 minutes ago. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm closer to that point. I'm closer to the next point, the next thing. Uh, and so there's this idea that when you cross a river, it'll never be the same river because you're not going to be the same and the river's not going to be the same because the water's always moving through it. Mm. Um, so a piece of scripture, because we're, we're talking about shaping and forming people, right? Yeah. Um, if these things are, are shaping and forming you, I, I have a piece of scripture that goes with this. Uh, it's in Proverbs thirteen twenty. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the, the companions of fools will suffer harm. So, uh, you know, the, the, the proverb is pretty clear that, you know, if you're, if you're surrounding yourself with wisdom, with people who are wise, who are, you know, pursuing after the things of wisdom, um, or then you're going to become imitators of Christ. You're yeah. you're going to become wiser. Right. But if you're around fools, you're going to become foolish, and you're going to suffer harm. It says, and we we say this not you know it's like we we encourage people um, to surround themselves with people who are going after Christ to be imitators of Christ, because when you're around people who aren't, you're going to become like them, whether. It's subtle or whether it's I'm all in. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point that you make because now that I'm thinking about it, since we as humans were created to know God, 
that that means that we're created to imitate him as well. And so when you think about um, some someone or something that you want to know a lot about, you start to imitate. Or something that you love, you imitate. We're all created as humans to be imitators. And an example I think of is like when I was in, I don't know, maybe middle school or even all the way through high school. I have a little brother who's, um, he's literally the coolest dude ever. I, I look up to him, to be honest. But um, he's six years younger than me. So he's uh, 16 right now. Um, and all growing up, like he, there were so many aspects that he looked up to me and he would imitate me. So like if I chose one day to wear a hat and wear it backwards, he would go find a hat and he'd wear it backwards. Or like if I said something or did something, mannerisms or ways I would dress or even like the way I styled my hair in high school, like he would ask me, hey, how do I how do I style my hair like that? Like, can you help me style my hair like that? He was he was imitating me. And that's kind of scary because there's things that I definitely don't he doesn't need to imitate yeah but it's that idea that like all of us as humans we constantly are imitating those things around us those things that you mentioned that form us and mold us we're imitators of those things now i'm gonna ruffle some feathers here but another thing that comes to mind is like taylor swift fans yeah or a- any fan for that matter sports oh, fans we can go we can go on we can go on all day but we like, don't need to bash taylor swift fans today hey listen <laughs> We don't need to talk about Taylor Swift because we're just going to keep that in the closet. <laughs> for, for now. For now. Um, anyways, you get my point. Like, we're, and this, this can also, imitator of, can also be used synonymously with worship. Yeah. We're created to worship. And that worship is imitation. That worship is knowledge. All of those are the same thing that we're talking about here. So you're talking about imitation and to imitate is to know, right? You have to know you have to, to imitate. Know yeah. So to know God is to imitate God. And so the more we know about God, the more we're going to imitate God. The more we're going to look like how he designed us to be. Yeah. And so that and that's what disciple. That's what disciple means. The word disciple. Yeah. Uh, is learner or imitator of, follower of. And so, or apprentice, same concept. If you're a disciple of someone, if you're a follower of someone, if you're an imitator of someone, you have to know, you have to watch everything they do and then you copy it. That's what the disciples did. And that's what we as Christians are called to do. If we're saying we are followers of Christ or imitators of Christ, we have to, to look in the word, all the prophecies on throughout the epistles at the life of Christ the, the entire personhood of Christ, the ins and outs, the intricacies, everything. We have to be studiers of it so that we can imitate it. We have to know. Yeah. So when we're, we're being shaped and formed, um, what do you think is like the best thing to do? What's the most practical thing to do? If you're, let's just, let's give three categories, right? We have um, someone who doesn't know Christ. I say a non-Christian, someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Uh, that's right. like, we'll just put them in a category. Um, and then we'll put new believer as one. And then we'll have mature believer. Let's have three categories. So for a, let's start with, let's start with mature believer. For a mature believer, what do you think is the most practical thing for them to do? Like as, as in terms of formation and forming 
like shaping and forming? Yeah. So, well, again, I'll get into like the intricate practical application, but first I have to say that it starts with Christ. Yeah. Um, for all three of those categories. What were your categories again? It was the non-believer, brand new, and then mature believer. Okay, so for all three of those categories, starts with Christ um, in salvation. Yeah. So for for the unbeliever, coming to a point of salvation and being born again is where it starts. Uh, We could unpack that later if we want, or a different episode or something. Yeah. Starts with Christ. New believer. Uh through Christ or or uh in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit you begin to become like Christ the Holy Spirit works to convict you the Holy Spirit works to guide you to uh prompt you to edify you and encourage you to surround you with community and accountability all of those things that set up the new believer being discipled and then that carries over even into the mature believer where the mature believer still stumbles, still falls, still um, wrestles with this already, but not yet, right? Where we're, we're already saved and, and have a door, have a way to be reunited to God, but we're still in the presence of sin. And sin, sin still has power and dominion over this earth. And so for the new believer and the mature believer, it's the Holy Spirit. And so... Um, Active presence. This is where we get into the practical application part yeah. that you're asking about. Active pursuance and participation of gospel-centered community. Yeah. Uh, that's filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, and burning with that passion and that fire to imitate Christ. Yeah. So that iron sharpens iron. That's another narrative that we see in Scripture uh, and that's practically how the new believer and the mature believer specifically can go about um, seeking that. Yeah. So for mature believers, I would say two things, right? That they get in the presence of God. That's that's a necessity, right? Everybody, this is the new believer as well. Uh, they get in the they get in the presence of God, and then the second the second one would be again get get in the presence of people who are also getting in the presence of God. So that's other mature believers. But I think something that that could happen here, right, is you're like, okay, I can only be with mature believers. No. See, the the call of someone who is in that place is now to invite the new believer and the unbeliever into their circles, into their community, to show them what it's like to live like Christ. Because I I think when you put those people in those environments – when you put an unbeliever or a new believer, it'll encourage them to want to be like you mm-hmm. because you're you're living how God has designed man to live, like mankind to live. And so yeah, that's um, a good point that you make. And then the new believer, like look the, look for those mature believers. That's older people that have been in the faith for a long time. That's your pastors, your elders, your deacons, you know, the people in those ministry positions, the people who have are known for their service to the church. Like those are the people that you want to put yourself around. The, the, the people who are, you know, faithful every week to show up to church, to serve, to, to pray. Um, and they, they have a relationship with God. They know who God is. They understand 
when God is speaking to them through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and then for the unbeliever, right? This, I don't know if we'll have very many unbelievers. I'm really hoping we do that listen to this podcast and, and want to hear like they're, they're questioning like, okay, why are these two guys saying it's important to be in the presence of God and around other believers? And to know God in general. And like, to know God at who all. Who cares? Why do I even need to know God? I don't even know if there is a God, some might ask. Because it will change your life. That's where life is found. That's where it's found. The only life. Yeah. Otherwise, you're dead. So there's this, this principle, right? That everything that is not God is a, is a pseudo-knowledge of God. It's, it's something that he created, right? It's, he created those things for us to enjoy. He created all these things for us to be a part of. And so when, when, we, when we go to these other things, instead of going to God that we're actually just filling ourselves with false gods and idols and things that will only lead to death rather than uh, pursuing after God who created all those things right. uh, for us to enjoy in the right context. Um, and it will leave us empty. It will leave us without purpose, without, without God. Right. And so um, did you have a piece of scripture well, and I was just thinking back to that when you said that all of those things don't lead us to a knowledge of God. It goes back to what I mentioned earlier in John 10 when Jesus said, I am the door. Further on, he um, he explains that there's hired hands that care nothing for the sheep when they watch over the sheep, but he's the good shepherd and he cares for the sheep. And so he's implying here that he is the only way. He's like, I am it. Like, and it's like what you mentioned, you go to these other things that are created by God, but they are not God. They're not going to bring life. They're not going to give you knowledge of God. They may um, help lead you to a more complex understanding of who God is once you've through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I don't have an answer for that. No one's talking to you. <laughs> Sorry, that was Google or Alexa or whoever it is. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Um, okay, yeah. So once you're in union with Christ and once you are, like you were explaining earlier, once you are with God, when you're in his presence, when you're sitting with him, when you're, building that relationship with him, these other things like creation, like common grace um, around us in the world can increase that affection. What's common grace? That's a whole episode oh. in itself. But basically... Can you summarize it? Here's the summary. Common grace is the good things in this world that God has commonly given to all of humanity, even those that don't believe him. So you can think what of like an example. So good food, any food, the ability to taste, uh, sex and pleasure, the sun and warmth outside, uh, a beautiful weather and temperature on a good day, a cool breeze, uh, any of our senses being able to experience pleasure, joy, excitement. And it's weird because people think of all these things as just normal aspects of life. These are all directly from God. And so when we're talking about hell and sin, if that's the absence of God, guess what? It's the absence of all of those things as well. 
anything that is good, anything that's pleasurable, anything that's enjoyable, anything that brings any positive experience or emotion at all is common grace because it's directly uh, from God as a result of his goodness and his love. And so hell is essentially the opposite of all of those things. It is nothing. It is the absence of everything that is good. Which is why when you hear explanations of hell, it's weeping and wrath and like destitute, just complete yeah. wasteland. Because it's, it's the absence of, it's, it's what the world would be like if there was nothing good at mm. all. So common grace is those things that believers get to, or I mean, uh, unbelievers, those who are lost get to enjoy. They yeah. get to enjoy food and sex and weather and everything pleasurable, laughing and excitement and joy, happiness, all those things. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, what was I saying before? Um, oh, I was going to read this first. Um, I was just explaining that Jesus is explaining and emphasizing that he's the only way. These things only lead us to a better understanding. But I also found it interesting uh, in that same passage, this is John 10, further down, verse 14. John 10, 14. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay my life down for the sheep. So he's equating our relationship with him to his relationship with the father. Yeah. Which is huge because like I explained earlier, their love has been eternally existing. And so for Jesus to equate our knowledge and union with him, once we're saved, once we're born again, he's equating that relationship to the relationship he has with the father. He's explaining not only in Christ, are we able to know God again, but he knows us. And it's so interesting that not only is it important for us to know him, but for him to know us. And he, he knows us. He has always known us. Yeah. And so we are just attaching to the other end of that. Yeah. That's huge. So um, we're talking about why is knowing God important? And I just want to go over back, but not like into formation, but like, but th- this idea of, of your identity will be attacked, you know, like our identity is being shaped and formed and molded. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're either being molded and shaped into an identity that looks more like Christ, or we're looking into this broken worldly cultural identity that does not look like more of a lack of identity. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I just wanted to go over some practical, like, how do we know, God, how do, what are some things that we can do to, to know who God is? Yeah, um, three things. So we've already established the only way that we can know God is through Christ. Yeah. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Christ is logos, which I don't know if we've used this word before. What is logos? Logos is word or truth. Um, and... In scripture, it directly means Christ. It refers to Christ as Logos. So John 1, when um, 
in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Exactly. That word is logos and that word is Christ. He's saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John's talking about Jesus. And so the way is Jesus, but Jesus is the word. And so we have physical, tangible word in the scriptures. And so the Bible, for those of you who may not have heard people talk about the Bible or Christians talk about the Bible before in much depth, the word of God is infallible. It means without flaw. It's without flaw. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it is perfect. And then it's inerrant, meaning that it is, it is complete. Like it, it doesn't contradict itself. It's completely fluid. It's completely coherent. It's completely connected and has always been true, will always be true. But this, we're talking about the can- canonicity of scripture. Yeah. So the canon of scripture, untainted, you know, not changed. And so to answer your question of how we come to know God, it's through Christ, through the word, the Bible, because God has given us himself in these pages. Um, and then the two sub points to that are two that we mentioned earlier, getting with God. So if through Christ we have been reunited with the Father, then we can come to him. We can, we can conversate with him and commune with him. And so getting with him every day, sitting in that secret place, that quiet place every morning, wherever that is for you, and spending time with him, talking with him, sharing your desires with him, sharing your wants and your thoughts and your questions, your concerns, your wrestlings, your your fears and your doubts, all those things. God wants to, to, to hear those things because in sharing those things, we're knowing him. Yeah. It's interesting too, um, the, the fact that in scripture, in so many places, when people were referring, not when people, when scripture is referring to um, people in marriage, uh, intercourse, it refers to it as knowing because that is an act of union. It's an act of full intimacy, full vulnerability. And that's just something that just came to mind that it wasn't even in my notes. But as I was talking about this, our time with God is knowing him, him knowing us. It's, it's, this, it's this full vulnerability and openness and intimacy. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of the same idea. And I find it interesting that scripture refers to Marriages in that aspect, because that's really what's happening yep. is a knowing, a full knowing. And, and to even go further into that, it's Christ is marrying the church, which is God's people. You know, Christ died for the church. And uh, then it, it alludes to in Revelation, this marriage cer- ceremony, you know, where, where Jesus is marrying the church, uh, where his, his bride is coming to him and they're getting married. Right. Um, to replicate this, this, the same idea of God is intimate with us in, in a way that resembles what we understand as intimacy in marriage. It, God is trying to give us an understanding of that through, uh, through his imagery, um, that that's the intimacy he wants with us. Right. And he wants to be near with us. That's what marriage represents. That's the point yeah. of marriage is to represent Christ in the church. Well, Christ in the church is a representation of humanity with God. Yeah, ultimately. So we can kind of expound on that. 
Um, so that's the first sub point. So we have Christ through the word. Uh, first sub point is being with God, being with God. knowing God, him knowing you spending time with him. The second sub point is being with others with God. Yeah. That you mentioned, we talked about both of those being earlier. with others who are also being, being with, with God. God. Yeah. And that can also look like being with God with them, you right. know, praying with them. Yeah communing with them. And that's the church. The church is being together with God. Yeah. And uh, scripture is pretty clear about what the church is. And that's where two or more are gathered. There I will be with them. Exactly. And so the church doesn't have to look like this, 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 you sit, you come in, you sit, uh, you know, the, the, the chair and you sing a few songs and you hear a sermon you make, maybe take communion and then you leave. That's, it's a that's grotesque not, simplification. That's not what the church is. The church is to 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 gather together to to worship God with their lives yeah. to to remind each other of the the good news of Jesus Christ. Because again, the gospel is not just for a new believer or, or or the unbeliever, but it's for the mature believer as well. To to constantly remind us of the saving work of Jesus on the cross that we always are coming back to the gospel, whether it's uh, in, in our, in when we're being formed, whether it's when we're doing X, Y, Z, because everything relies in our lives, in the Christian walk on the gospel. Absolutely. It's fundamental. I cannot, I cannot learn about God, who God is, if it does not align with the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which is why it's Um, important to have good theology. And, you know, we can't, we can't, First uh, John 4, it, it, it's explicitly, actually, it says this exact thing, that you can't, you can't, uh, it, it's not from God if it does not uh, point to Christ as the resurrected king, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, when we learn about who God is, it will be true if it points to the cross and the resurrection That's of exactly Jesus. That's exactly right, right. Um, cause it all points to Jesus. And so there's, there might be some nuances in that, but we're not going to get into that yeah. right now. Sure. Uh, I think the main idea, it's like, well, well, would God want me to do this? Uh, maybe probably not if it doesn't point to the cross, you know? And, uh, I think something that, uh, I heard a pastor once say was that if it's a hundred percent in the Bible, like, you know, it's clearly like it points to cross that's from God, right? If it's. If it's obviously not, and like, I don't know, it doesn't, like clearly does not point to the cross, then it definitely is not. And then there's this like, well, it kind of does, but doesn't, the like the half truth, that's also a no. That definitely is not from God. Right. I would say that's actually more of a no than it is uh, the first no, like the 100% yeah. no. And that, that goes to, so we were just talking about the infallibility and inerrancy of scripture. There's also the authority of Scripture, and yeah. that's what that speaks to. Um, Post-Reformation, Protestant Christianity would, would well, at least Lutheran, uh, uh, like Martin Luther kind of expressed the sola scriptura, sola uh, Christus, sola grati, and sola, what was the other one? Fide. So one faith, one Christ, one Scripture, one grace. So that's one of those points is one scripture. We believe in one authority, one scripture. That is it. If it's anything yeah. that's kind of like right here beside scripture, no. And that's not our authority. 
and there's there's kind of this modern I'll just give an example. So uh, two examples in historic uh, Christian history, right? You have the Roman Catholic Church who would, you know, take something that's partially true, but never fully true because it doesn't align with who Christ is. Right. Um, So like the penance, like you have to give money to earn your salvation. No, that's that's not true. Indulgences. Indulgences. Um, So this idea that. Uh, it's a workspace faith rather mm-hmm. than Christ saving you. Any heresy. So that's 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 where it comes to. But and then let's let's. I'm going to give a modern example as well. More modern example is that uh, if you uh, the the prosperity gospel. If you give money to the church, your your life will be prosperous and you'll be happy. Or, yeah, and everything. You're, you're all your fantasies will be desired, like right. fulfilled. You know. And name it and claim it. You name it and claim it. Right. That's uh, which is. If you read any of scripture, you just know it's not true. Right. It's this idea that if you're a Christian, somehow Christians have this like special superiority to where they don't have to face the challenges and problems of the real world because they have some sort of special anointing. Like yeah. that is not at all what scripture says. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. It's, hey, I suffered and you will suffer as I suffered. Christ says that numerous times to the disciples yeah, and Paul even to the churches saying, "Hey, we share in Christ's suffering, because we're imitating Him." Remember, we're talking about imitating. Yeah. So we're going to imitate Christ. We're going to imitate His suffering. But that special anointing, that blessing, comes in that. So this is a, again, we should do another episode on the theology of suffering. It's this: you have to understand we are blessed in the suffering. We're not saved from the suffering. That's not our blessing. Our blessing, the entire, what is it, Matthew? Is that Matthew 5? That's the Beatitudes? Yeah. Uh, blessed are the, the, the poor in spirit. Blessed are the weak. Blessed are the, uh, you know, I don't remember them. I don't have them memorized. I but don't either. <laughs> it, it's the idea that it's like, you know, your blessing is stored up in heaven. And on earth, you are blessed to yeah. persevere. And, so. and Jesus himself even says, like, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow after me, pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah. He was saying, you to be like me, to be an imitator of Christ, to be a Christian, that means little Christ, to, to little Christ, yourself. is, to, is to, to be obedient to the point of death, you know, to listen and follow after God, even if it means giving up your life. Because in giving up your life, you actually are finding life. You're yeah. finding it in, in Christ. Um, that's not, that's not influence for like some, you know, crazy cult to like, I have to, you know, kill myself to follow after Christ. That's not what we're saying. We're saying like to follow after Christ is to you say you're willing to give up your life to follow after Jesus is, is, yeah. um, And it is giving up your selfish life, your, uh, your, I mean, that the whole picture of being born again. Yeah. You're putting to death your old self, your worldly self, your flesh, your sinful desires that bent away from God. Not that you won't uh, sin against him. Because again, we haven't been freed yet from the power and penalty of sin. Or, or I mean, uh, presence of sin. We have been freed from the penalty, but not the presence or power of sin. Hey, y'all. Quick intermission here. Um, this is Landry. Uh With every episode, we listen back, and when I was listening back, in this part, I actually realized that I misspoke. Uh, I got kind of caught up on the words that I was saying with power and penalty and presence and all of that. What I was referring to here, and this is something that I, I kind of use as a common talking point, 
in a lot of the episodes when it comes up because it's just such good truth. Um, but these words, penalty, power, presence, potential, those things that I've mentioned on occasion come from a conversation that I had with a, another young theologian, actually, in Colorado last year. Uh, he got these, there are five Ps um, that he got from one of his seminary professors. And I don't remember the name of the professor. Otherwise, I, I mean, I'd love to give him credit, you know, where credit's due. Um, but these are five points of the accomplishing work of salvation. So five things that take place. The key is that three of them are things that are accomplished at Christ's resurrection. So when he's crucified, he dies, and he's raised again, the first three Ps are accomplished. And they're these. The penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the practice of sin. And then the last two are accomplished in his second coming. So these two have not yet been fully accomplished, but will when Christ returns. These are the things we have to look to. And that is the presence of sin and the potential for sin. And so in this moment that I, we just stopped, I misspoke and I said that we have yet to be freed from the presence and power of sin. But I really wanted to make sure that I came in here and clarified that we have in fact been freed from the power of sin. That is the entire radical truth and nature of the incarnation of the life of Christ, of his crucifixion, death, and resurrection, is that we have been freed from the power. A couple verses that I quickly want to add, uh, just to give you guys some clarity on that. For, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 8 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, Paul's talking, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So, he conquers our fear. We've been given power, love, and self-control over sin. Uh, another one is Ephesians 3.20 and 21. Paul's benediction says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. So it's not our power, but there is a power that has been given us, that we are united to, that, uh, that gives us the power over sin in our life, that gives us the power over our broken nature. And then he continues, to him be the glory in the church in Christ, in, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then the last verse. I'll read is Psalm 59, 9 says, Oh, my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, are my fortress. All throughout the Psalms, we see David celebrating and then also reminding himself that his strength comes from the Lord. The Lord is his fortress. The Lord is his uh, source of strength. Um, and so I just wanted to come in here in a quick intermission and clarify that for you guys. Uh, I will be referring to these points of salvation a lot because they've just been so helpful for me and I hope they're helpful for you guys. But again, just to clarify, power is absolutely one of the biggest things that was accomplished in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, along with the penalty that we have of sin 
and the practice of sin in our lives. And the two that we look to and await are the presence of sin and the possibility or potential of sin. Those two are kind of used interchangeably. And then the last thing that I want to give you guys is John Piper wrote an article in uh, Desiring God on the website. And I will actually link this article in the show notes below that you can check this article out. But this article, John Piper's writing about our union with Christ. And when we're talking about the things that Christ accomplished already and when he, what he will accomplish in his second coming and what we've been freed from in that, it's, it's fundamental that, as we have also mentioned in this episode, our union with Christ is centric to all of this. And so John Piper's writing on this. He's writing on how we're chosen, justified, and sealed. There's a quote in this article that says, God's purchase of us from bondage to sin and Satan and death becomes real and effective for us in connection with Christ. So this article, please check it out. It, it speaks to all of this too and explains what we receive when we're in union with Christ. And it's just so, so good. So love you guys. Let's get back to it. We still are fighting that, but you're born again and you're a new creation. Yeah. The old has passed away and the new has come. That whole model. Um, I was thinking, I was thinking about, there's a book I read uh, recently that um, it was talking about missionaries in China. And so when, uh, when, when someone in China would accept the, the gospel and they were being baptized as, as the scripture calls, you know, calls them to be baptized, they would, um, right before they got baptized, they would ask, you know, do you believe, do you believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, right? But they would also ask, are you willing to die? Are you willing to die for your faith? Um, and they would ask that right before you got baptized as, as a mark of, you know, humility and submission to Christ. And I, I, I say this uh, because really in America, we don't, we don't face that right now. We don't face that persecution where, you know, believing in Jesus is, you know, going to get you killed or even imprisoned or anything like that. But it's, it's just like, oh, they'll make fun of you, maybe throw something at you, you know, but at the end of the day, they're not going to like, they're not going to kill you for it right now, at least. Um, and so Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew what he was teaching to, to his disciples, to, to follow him by knowing him. Uh, so I want to leave, uh, leave it off with one more piece of scripture and do you have any closing thoughts on why knowing God is important? Just something that we haven't discussed. Well, and uh, yeah, I've got one more thing, and I think this is a good time to mention this. Um, and I think we explained it a good bit, but the type of knowing that we're talking about here is not the type of knowing that we think about most often. Because typically you think of knowledge as intellectual. Um, yeah. And there is an aspect of that, like... We are called as Christians to activate our brain, to use, you know, our cognitive function and use our ability to think uh, to, to kind of exposit scripture and have good hermeneutic and, and do theology. Like you need an intellectual 
aspect for that. But we have to be careful about what type of knowledge we are talking about because the essence of this knowledge is not intellectual. It is, yeah. it's spiritual. So it's this, again, like we were talking about, the intimacy, the union, the connection, the, uh, yeah, the interrelational process by which we are tied to God. It's this knowing that it starts intellectual but increases our affection so that the more we know the more we learn about christ the more we start to imitate that that then increases our love for him and our intimacy with him and so it's a knowledge that that i just i have to say like we're not talking about get a bigger brain no we're not talking about learn more theological words and concepts and which it doesn't hurt though be that theology buff no, until it does hurt. Yes. Because we have to be careful that it doesn't become a head knowledge. Because guess who Christ's enemy was? Pharisees. And it they, wasn't the tax collectors no. and the prostitutes. He loved them. He he showed mercy on them. He he dined with them. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeah. Those in the church and the synagogue who had all of the knowledge. Yeah. They knew God. They knew the law, ins and out. And they had upheld the law. And they they had puffed up chests. And that was the enemy of Christ. Christ in the scriptures never rebukes them for having a knowledge of God, but rather not understanding it. Exactly. So you can have knowledge, but not understanding. So the knowledge we're talking about here is not simply an intellectual knowledge. knowledge. Yes, you have to use your intellect to, to get where you're trying to go in this but the knowledge that we're talking about here is union it's intimacy it's knowing for example there's a difference between me knowing barrett and me knowing barrett it's kind of a funny play of words but you can know about my life you can know the things that i do the things i'm involved in some rough characteristics of what i'm like but to know me is to know my personality, to, to have a relationship. To know to, what's going on in to your know, life. To, to know, know what you're wrestling with. Yeah. To know what you're thinking about. To know it's this it's an understanding of relationships. Like yeah. you're not gonna grow closer to someone unless you have that knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like to have a knowledge of them that like you know this about them. Have you ever like you've You've learned something about one of your best friends and you feel like you you got a, a tighter friendship because yeah. you know that thing. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like I could know I can know your favorite color, your favorite food, but if I never asked, Barry, how are you doing? Or I know that this is a hard situation in your life. Even just before we started this podcast, I asked him a really intimate question, but and he answered and, and we were able to share that moment. And I feel like I'm closer to him now because of that knowledge. Not just knowing his favorite food or knowing his favorite color yeah. and all these surface level stuff. I, I have a, you know, something that, that kind of goes in, into this. It's like, uh, if, if you're, say you have, you say you're married, right? And you have a relationship with your spouse to, to go to church every week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, I'm going to compare it to going to church every week. Um, would you, if you had a spouse and you're married, would you only spend maybe two hours a week with her? Absolutely not. No, you'd want to spend what every waking moment you have. Yeah, well, you're married. Yeah. I, yes and no. Yeah, uh, 
No, I get what you're saying. But like you would want to spend time yeah, with them. You because want to I be love them. close to them. I, I you love, want to yeah. know them. Yeah. And so when we when we apply this to scripture or to 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 a relationship with God, if we if we're only spending two hours a week like we are in church to know God, we're never gonna know God. We're never gonna have a relationship with God. Right. It he calls us to know him, to be in prayer with him, to to commune with him. Always. It's not a it's not a Oh, just go to go to church on the weekends and if you can fit me in every now and then and, and if you remember to pray before you eat, you know, it's it's like no. Every week like every moment that we have to know who God is, we're required to know. Like that's a that's a call from scripture. Um to, to know who God is. It's just to pray without ceasing. Um and and God calls us to know who he is. You just basically quoted psalm forty six ten. be still and know that i'm god so this is going to be super confusing hang with me guys knowledge about god is important our theology um these concepts are important but they're secondary knowing god does not come from knowledge about god knowing god comes from being still being with god yeah, we are human beings. So being with God, spending time with him, learning about his, his tendencies and his character traits and his, those essential character traits that make him who he is. Lord, what does your goodness mean? What is your, what is your, all of these intricate aspects about God and even just conver- con- conversing with him, telling him what's on your mind, sharing these thoughts, these questions, these Little things throughout the day, praying and talking with him as you go, that's knowing God. Because that's knowing your spouse. That's knowing a friend is that that quality time. If we're talking about a relationship with God, it's just like any other relationship. Because that's how God developed relationships and built relationships. To be like him. Yeah. To imitate. Even relationships imitate God. So the way you grow in a relationship is by being together, doing together talking together, learning about each other. So that's where the knowledge, I guess, comes in. But that's just one aspect. Knowledge about God is one part, one small part of knowing God. Yeah. Man, that's, that's so good. These, these ideas of knowing who God is and, you know, it's like we go through the, we go through like God created us to, to be with him, to know who he is. Then, then God is, you know, he's using the things around us are shaping and molding us and forming us to look more like Christ or less like Christ. Uh, I would use the process like it's making us more like God or, you know, making us more inhumane, you know, less human. And then the lies like we, we, we get, uh, to know more about God through scriptures, but more importantly, through being with God to dwell in his presence. Mm -hmm. And then also surrounding ourselves with people who know God and are also dwelling in the presence of God and, you know, wrestling through scripture. And so to, to really wrap up this, this, you know, this episode of why is knowing God important? I want to, I want to include some scripture just like, Hey, this is, this is our hope. This is our hope for when you hear this is, um, it's, it's second Corinthians, um, three eighteen, 
And it says, uh, and we all, that's all the Christians, with unveiled faces, uh, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I say the scripture because when they're looking at, lurking, looking at God, they're seeing who he is and they're becoming more like him. Um, so I hope that you learn something and um, can apply something to your life and can just want to know who God is yeah. more. I hope this is edifying for you guys. And as you listen, I know some of this can be pretty meaty, um, but I hope as you listen, man, this just sparks so much curiosity and excitement and 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 just passion for the things that we're talking about man like even after having this conversation i'm like man i want to go spend more time with god i I need to and i'm thinking throughout my day and i'm like i can think of so many times throughout my day where i can just share these things with god i'm carrying all these things on my shoulders i'm carrying all these things in the small parts of my life that if i just like share them with God. I mean that, and in some aspects, that's giving them to God. It's like when we say, "Hey, just surrender these things to God." It's just sharing them with Him, saying, "Hey, God, like I've been thinking about this, and I don't know what to do here in this situation." Or just like driving down the highway, and the sun is out. There's not a single cloud in the sky. You know, birds, or there's a beautiful sunset or sunrise just talking with God during that moment, being like, man, this is incredible. God, like, look at that cloud. Like, that's so cool what you did with that right there. Or like, like in any other relationship, you do that. So why do we like our interaction with God? Why are they so like, you know, rigid? At least I'm speaking for myself when I say this, like there's so many things that I could just talk with God about day in and day out. And so this conversation makes me want to do more of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we love you guys. Thanks for yeah. listening. Do you have any other thoughts? Uh, no, no for me. Um, cool. Just want to say thanks for listening, and uh, we hope that this this podcast would also be be a con- contribution to to our listeners to to look more like Christ, and that that's our ultimate hope is that you would see who Christ is and what He's doing more clearly. Yeah. Grace and peace. Bye, y'all.